podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are free, free practice, a massive weekend for McLaren, a potential new team coming to F1, obviously confirmed new team will go it alone, and of course, F1 heads down under, as do F2 and F3 for the very first time. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm your host, James McKenzie, and I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Sam. How are things, my friend? G'day, mate. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Uh, I'm not going to be able to keep that up, but yeah, I'm all good, thank you. (laughs) It's like I'm in the room with Oscar Piastri or Danny Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, Jack Doohan, or I feel like there's another Australian driver. Um, I think you're going to say another Australian. Mark Webber. Uh, Mark Webber. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, leaving that swiftly behind. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, we have no Abby this week. One of her very rare absences, but we do have Ollie to fill in. Uh, Ollie has made his camera upside down. You guys are Cause, cause quite the jokers. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's a shame we don't have Abby, but as you can see, I'm upside down for Australia. Yeah. Uh, do you think you can match up to her high standards? I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. I'm not Abby, but I can. I can try to be. Well, who is? But I'll I'll throw it to you then for our lead bit of news, which is, well, who knew free practice was so popular? Yeah, so this one has been causing a stir this week all across social media and the um, F1 world, which is Dominicali has said or suggested that he is a supporter of the cancellation of free practice sessions. Uh, He said they're great use to engineers, but the public doesn't like. Now, People are going wild about this online, saying that's obviously taken away the Friday from F1. Um, F1 is obviously a sport where this is the only time when they can practice in free practice. Uh, the, the, the world's gone a bit mad about this one. And I seem to feel like it may have been taken slightly out of context. Now, Dominicali said this at the MotoGP weekend in Portimao, and it, an F1 spokesperson has now come out and said that's not really what he meant. Dominicali's comments saying that the sport was looking at ways to make the practice session more engaging, not crossing them out altogether. However, his initial statement did sound like he said cancellation. So, Sam, I I know you wrote an article about this one, trying to sort of clarify what was happening. So I'll I'll hand to you. What's your thoughts on on cancelling free practice? Well, that's the interesting point in this is the word cancelling, because it's quite a strange word. Surely you say abolish, you know, get rid of, you know, you know change, alter, uh, because, yeah, I think in well, in the past he has said that he is a fan of 
doing something different when it comes to practice, making points applicable, replacing them with other types of sessions. So I don't think you'd necessarily be looking at making F1 go down to a two-day weekend. I think it'd still retain the Friday. But it's an incredibly important part of the weekend. Uh, so I just, I, I can't see it actually happening. I think it's a pipe dream. And the road to making that happen is a long one because you've got to get the buy-in from the teams. You've got to get the buy-in from the FIA. And I just don't see how they're going to get to that stage. One of my favourite things has been the reaction that we've seen on Twitter as well. Uh, like, so, for example, Hazel Southwell uh, had a couple of funny tweets, you know, cancelling free practice. What did it say? Uh, and also she followed up with, can't believe Stefano de Monacali is part of council culture, but I am looking forward to free practices of book tour and column in the Times, which <laughs> I thought was was pretty good. Well, he said that he would never do a two-day weekend. I'm pretty sure de Monacali said that back in maybe 2020 or something. So it's Even clearly not that. <laughs> it's clearly not that. That's not his plan. I think he is more looking at ways to mix things up and yeah probably introduce a point system into it do we not think yeah i mean it's got to be because they're not going to cancel friday that means no friday tickets means no friday running um they've got to renegotiate all of the tv rights um renegotiate the the circuit fees that they pay to to um f1 to to even have the race um and obviously it means um it just means changing F1 as we know it. And, uh, you know, one of the most interesting things about this is the F1 drivers, they have to practice. They're not a football team. They can't practice during the week or get together um, and just start up an F1 car. Yes, they have sims, but this is the only time when they're actually in the car. So getting rid of it, no chance. I think putting points or, or trying to almost commercialise it in a way, uh, I'm not a fan of that, not at all. I think leave it as it is. It kind of ruins the sanctity of the points giving sessions if all of them are points giving uh so yeah i can't see how it how it'd work uh and also if they got rid of friday that means we'd actually all have to pay attention at work on friday uh so yeah no one wants that right true it's it's also him just trying to mix things up as well in terms of the order isn't it the the less practice the teams get the more likely you are to have a jumbled up grid where they don't understand the car yet we've seen red bull have sometimes taken a little bit of time particularly last year, and uh, it was also the case in Bahrain, uh, where they didn't understand it and they were lagging behind a bit. So it does mix things up, but again, it just feels a bit artificial for me. Uh, But one team who will need all the practice they can get in the upcoming races is McLaren, and this is a big weekend coming up for them. Isn't that right, Sam? It is indeed. Obviously, the start of the 2023 season has been particularly difficult and disappointing for the team not necessarily because of a a lack of underlying pace in the car although admittedly the car isn't where they want to be or expected it to be um at this stage of the season there are upgrades coming but potentially not um to the degree they hoped um in the coming weeks so yeah there's a lot to unpick here for the team some poor reliability some bad luck as well we saw in saudi arabia so they have made some big changes and are starting to make moves with an eye on the future. The first of which was James Key leaving his role as technical director and what they are doing with that role, because obviously it's a, a key role in an F1 team, is they're splitting it into three component parts. So you've got Peter Bedromu, who will be the technical director for aerodynamics, David Sanchez as the technical director for car concept and performance, and Neil Holdy will be the technical director for engineering and design. So 
I think by compartmentalizing this role, they basically take work off the overall kind of desk of you know each other and hopefully allow them to focus on their you know constituent parts and down the line produce better performance for the car itself. Then following this, they have also announced they have hired Mariano Alperin from Aston Martin, who was the head of aero performance and analysis. So this is a, another big signing for them behind the scenes. Alperin has a lot of, a lot of experience in Formula One. He spent time with AGS and Minardi. So, you know, you can tell just from those names, the length of service he's had in the sport, as well as BAR. So he knows his way around an F1 car. And, you know, it's another step in them hopefully moving back towards that kind of top four title fight or constructors fight rather um so yeah it's it's a lot of changes and this as i said comes out of the saudi arabia grand prix weekend and also with a view on baku where they're expecting their most significant upgrade of the season andrea stella the team principal has said that although there will be improvements and it is promising it won't be enough to bring them into the top four fight so we will see other supplementary uh, upgrades throughout the year as well uh so yeah Lots of changes there. Um, and yeah, what are your thoughts? Does it feel a bit reactionary or, you know, will this have been a long time in the making? I think with regards to the the sort of the changes they've 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 made, putting th- one role into three, essentially you're still going to need one man overseeing all of that, right? So he's almost made his own life a little bit more difficult. Um, well, I think actually they're all going to individually report into Andrea Sella. That's what I mean. Yeah. So that's going to make Stella's life more difficult. You're managing three people instead of one. So it's going to put more, more work on him. But I do find it interesting about the aerodynamic aerodynamicist coming over because there's a lot of talk about that. Um, Obviously, he's he's also uh, he, he's put in a caution against reading too much into into Piastri's qualifying and practice performance, saying that that was more about relying on the grip coming from the tyres as an abrasive surface rather than the de- aerodynamic load. Um, but they're saying they're going to they're going to move up, so they're thinking sort of coup time. They're going to move up from P six to P five. Um, I I. I don't think it's a quick fix for McLaren. I think they've got the right driver lineup certainly, but I, I can't see. You know, it's going to take until the year for us to really see what these changes are, are going to make. Oh, completely. And even for you know, David Sanchez coming back to the team won't happen until 2024. So there is going to be, there is certainly going to be a lag time with this. But I think they have to, at this stage, invest in a long-term approach and view it as a long-term project. And, you know, almost admitting that results won't be immediate because you know, quick fixes ultimately won't move you up the grid in the way that they kind of were doing up until the last couple of seasons uh but yeah they've plateaued and need to change approach yeah and it's it's quite amazing to see i guess the fall of fall from grace for james key he was the next adrian newey wasn't he that was kind of the the path people expected from him he was the toro rosso technical director and had done great things there and got got his big move to mclaren and then obviously they were, yeah, on that upward trajectory and people expected so much. And it's, yeah, it's just, as you say, plateaued and now started going down in the opposite direction. So it's a shame to see that happen uh, to James Keep. Uh, there are some promising names that they've uh, yeah, replaced him with. And that it is three of them doing it. Uh, it's, an, it's an interesting approach. We'll see if it works. It's, it's quite 
novel, I guess. And it's kind of the way I think the world's going a bit uh, in business. They like to share things out and have it less just one guy who the buck stops with. Yeah, by having specialists almost, uh, you are relying more on a kind of a deeper skill set than a broader skill set which you can ultimately see how that would pay dividends down down the line so yeah i think the approach although maybe slightly unusual at least for mclaren certainly could you know see them you know see the improvements they're hoping to but as i said at the top of this news piece there is underlying pace in that car i don't think this is a total we've got a right off the season this is an absolute nightmare they will certainly be in that p5 fight in the constructor championship i just think it p4 with how the aston martin have started and arguably as well you know we talked about how they're not really even the fourth best team they're higher than that i just can't see how they're going to break into that group I think this weekend is going to be really interesting for Piastri, especially. Obviously, it's the Australian Grand Prix. It's his home race. He hasn't scored any points yet. Will this pressure, especially having replaced Daniel Ricciardo, he's now the the Australian F1 driver. How's he going to manage this pressure? Um, I'm, I'm aware Angestella said he needs to remain calm and he believes he will do so. But there's going to be a pressure here for him to get his first points in front of his home crowd. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want that pressure on me. It, it, it's insane pressure. Yeah, he is. I was thinking about this the other day. He, it's the first home race of the year because obviously we have no Bahraini or, or Saudi drivers in the sport. But I kind of see it slightly differently, to be honest. I don't think the pressure comes to start scoring points until Lando starts scoring points. And obviously, as a team, they are at the foot of the table with, with zero points. I think that has to be his barometer, his litmus test. And once there starts to become a growing disparity between the two, if that does indeed happen, uh, that's when it gets difficult for him. But he, you know, he got into Q3, he's shown that there is pace. So he just needs to kind of, you know, keep that momentum into uh, into the Aussie weekend. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, just before we move on, on McLaren, I saw they, they've also signed a big deal with Workday, uh, which isn't that interesting, but I thought it was worth noting because I saw a very funny comment, which I can't claim, but someone said Workday is slow, complicated and a bit bloated, which was very fitting for McLaren at the moment. <laughs> I can <laughs> I, I can attest to that because I used to work somewhere that used Workday and I thought it was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> but, you know, not to slam on Workday. I did also see that McLaren now have 47 sponsors, which is, uh, I think, at the tail end of the grid, you've got Hassan 14. So that is an enormous number of sponsors. No wonder they have to have a panel on the car that can rotate them throughout the race. Yeah. There simply isn't enough space in the car. But yes, we will move on from McLaren. And uh, some fascinating news that has broken in the past few days involves a potential new team. Apparently for the past four years, Craig Pollock has been secretly laying the groundwork for a new F1 team, unlike any other already in the paddock. Pollock knows how to build an F1 outfit from scratch, having served as founder and CEO of BAR, which of course has since become the Mercedes team. His latest project, Formula Equal, would be the first team in the sport that is 50% men and 50% women, with that equal split applying across the whole organisation from the cockpit to the engineers to the boardroom. If Pollock's application for the team is successful, they would potentially debut in 2026. So what do you guys think? Do you think he can pull it off? 
what I really want to know is, and I, I, I think it's still quite a long way out. It's promising that he's been working on it for four years. There's clearly a lot of time and effort that's gone into this. Uh, I want to see if that split goes into the actual driver lineup. That, I think, it would be a real statement. And I can't... I think it'd be disappointing if they didn't take it all the way up to the race seats. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the only thing that would be you know, kind of left to see when the outfit arrives is if it wins its first race. I mean, I think it's it's a fantastic um, it's a fantastic concept, and we've seen it done in Extreme E. This is well, you've got one one male driver, one female driver, and absolutely, Pollock has said that the intention is to have a female one female driver, one male driver. The problem does come with will they have enough super license points to get into F one? How how do they get to that stage, especially by twenty twenty six? But then also, I mean, we've spoken about it so many times about bringing a new team into F one. This would have to be a new team if it's going to be fifty fifty because you can't buy an existing one because. 50 50 team doesn't exist how much did we say that cost was it 600 million to get on the grid uh i think that's the kind of um the, the estimates in terms of what the t- i think that's what the teams want the new entry fee to be because at the moment it's a couple hundred million i kind of say that like very casually like you know that's what, yeah. what my allowance is so that's a couple of hundred million just to get into f1 then you've got to yeah. develop the team and build the build the build the factory and obviously build the car right yeah, like what what we've kind of has been discussed in the last few weeks is how with the potential rumored, you know, will it happen, will it not, sale of Alpha Tauri is that by buying an existing team and its constituent parts, I don't know why I keep on saying the phrase constituent parts today. It's my little kind of <laughs> go-to for the podcast. You are getting more bang for your buck, aren't you? Because you're getting all of their resources yeah. as opposed to just paying 600, 600 million to get into the sport in the first place. What is also particularly interesting is how would the existing 10 teams possibly be able to oppose this with the ferocity that they have opposed Andretti and others? Yeah. I don't think they can. And I'd like to think that they would stand behind this and support this. I was going to say the same. Uh, I I think that would be very interesting because, yeah, they've been so anti an 11th team, but it's such a good cause i don't know if cause is the right word but you you know what i mean uh yeah it would be interesting to see their approach to it um because yeah it's very necessary i mean a 2016 survey i saw this earlier uh conducted by the fia uh saw that in european motorsport women accounted for 6.5 percent of drivers 16 percent of institutional employees and 19 percent of volunteers so it would be a great step in uh leveling the playing field certainly um but before we move on again, uh, there are also rumours about F2's high-tech GP, I believe, trying to make the step up. Uh, Sam, I imagine you have the inside scoop there with your F2 connections. Yeah, so high-tech have long been kind of touted as a potential F1 team, when I say long, in the last year or two. There are lots of ties to the Formula 1 paddock uh, within high-tech. Oliver Oakes, the team principal was a member of the Red Bull Driver Academy back in the day. And you see that through their driver lineups, both past and present, a lot of Red Bull juniors. And that is where the kind of link with Alpha Tauri was kind of being thrown about a few weeks ago. And it's it's no secret that there are plans in place and that there's potential there uh, for high take to take that step. I think it'd be really good because I think that is one thing that F1 is is really missing, is a an F2, F3 team, a feeder series team that is also an F1 team. 
it's one thing that is often discussed as kind of would that work actually or mm. you know would it would it work even better than the whole driver academy concept actually having say mercedes own an f2 or an f3 team is certainly food for thought yeah like the barcelona and real madrid b teams in the second tier in spain that kind of thing yeah. and it'd be nice just to have a few fewer red bull liveries on the, the f2 grid if nothing else so as as I've read it, uh, this is codenamed H26 at the moment, right? So that's obviously high tech 26 yeah, when they plan to enter. Um, H stands for. But they've they've already begun wind tunnel testing um, using the former Mercedes facility at Silverstone, um, and they've also got relations with Toto Wolf, um, and basically testing is underway uh, on this project. So they've actually come quite far, haven't they? They have, uh, and. It's promising, but as we've seen before, it's it's a whole other matter to get actually onto the grid. But from potential new teams to one that will definitely be on the grid in 2026, and that is, of course, Audi, who will take over the Alfa Romeo Sauber team. Uh, they've been setting out plans for their realistic, uh, yes, I'm doing air quotes, goals to fight at the front of the grid. Uh, now, I'm not saying they're not realistic, just that, <laughs> just that that is a literal quote from Audi Formula Racing CEO Adam Baker. He's been shedding some light on the manufacturer's F1 ambitions. Uh, partnering up with Sauber, Audi would work as a power unit supplier, and for them, the 2026 change in regulations marks the perfect time for it to join the grid. Baker explained, previously, manufacturers have typically entered during existing regulation cycle, meaning that they are somewhat of a disadvantage to existing competitors. Whilst the changes will be a huge challenge, they also present a big opportunity for newcomers, he says. Do you think he's right? I do. Uh, I think, you know, obviously, our jokes before about uh, would Craig Pollock finally be able to win his first race, you know, the second yeah. time round. But that is where there is the highest chance of doing it. You know, BAR didn't get it right, but eventually Braun did you know what 10 years later oh that's quite poetic i never really thought of it like that that's cute uh so it can be done and that was at the start of a huge overhaul of the regulations so it is certainly and we're not necessarily realistically talking about race wins but it is i would say quite an opportune time uh for a team to join the sport yeah i think if if audi are coming into the sport they're going to do it properly they've won le mans 13 times they know motorsport they're world rally champions um i think it's it's obviously going to take a while to get to the front i know that they've said uh, it's realistic for to be at the front within three years um you know lance stroll said the same thing but they're, they're quite near the front at the moment so it is possible yeah. um but yeah I, I think if audi are coming in they're going to do it properly there's not going to be a half-assed attempt at it they're going to throw everything they've got what i particularly enjoy about the audi outfit coming into the sport or at least specifically Audi it seems is there's a lot of very very early talk about driver lineups I don't know why but specifically of Audi you get names bandied around I think it's because of partly Mick Schumacher's you know kind of difficult um end to his time at Haas there was hope that there would be a, a light at the end of the tunnel for him but people are already talking about well, yeah, well Bottas what about Vettel and you're kind of thinking well okay yeah. what four years out of, out of racing by that point if he doesn't do a kind of louder um, and yeah I mean Joe Guan Yu is way too early to talk about his prospects a few years down the line Valtteri will be in his late 30s so it's just such a such a bizarre conversation to be having you know with all self-awareness that I have actually again brought this up so 
Yeah, I don't think there's any point talking driver lineups until uh, that that 25 season ends. Well, then how about we talk about something a bit closer to home? No, not closer to home. Australia's uh, certainly not that way. <laughs> <laughs> James, I would argue you probably couldn't even get further. You couldn't really get much further away from home. Yeah, closer to now, chronologically, very far from home. You know where I'm going with this. It's the Australian Grand Prix this weekend. I mean, they are also... 11 hours ahead so if you're talking time as well <laughs> there are there are closer things um but yes sorry it is of course the australian grand prix this weekend and for the first time on the australian grand prix bill we have f2 and f3 it's very exciting it's going to be a packed weekend it's going to be a logistical nightmare also i don't know if you guys have heard but australia are turning back the clocks one hour this yeah. weekend right Just in the middle of the robbery turn them, yeah so is the, the timing is is brilliant so that is making my head spin trying to work out if that'll be uh, what time equals what because obviously there's 11 hour time differences it stands and yeah my basically my head's just gone so yes we've got a lot to look forward to obviously the australian track at albert park is changed from its conventional layout we've had one run around the uh the change track already but i think we'll learn more and more about that from an f2 and f3 perspective there's a lot of learning for the teams it is potentially the most even the grid will be all year um and we say that knowing that that both are spec series so what are you looking forward to the two of you over the weekend what do you think the big talking points will be what what are you looking uh to see um, I'm looking forward to seeing the bigger grid boxes. So um, this came out earlier today, saying that they have widened the grid boxes by 20 centimetres. Sam, I know you spoke about this on the last podcast, and we spoke about it on the one before as well. <laughs> Sam has a Christ the Redeemer. You yes. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, okay. Sam, I'll eat my words, okay? Um, Thank you. The F1 drivers couldn't see them, but I still find it hard to believe. But Anyway, they have widened them by 20 centimetres. Um, let's not make that a talking point of the whole weekend, but that is just, hopefully we don't see another penalty over it because um, they can now see them. And Sam, we can end that little talking point there. Um, but what am I most looking forward to seeing? The F3 guys, I cannot wait to see them go around Albert Park. Albert Park is an awesome track. And it's not really, it's not a conventional track. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how the young guys, they they find their way around and battle, um, battle through it. Obviously, we've got F2 and F3, F2 and F1 as well. It's just going to be a weekend of no sleep. Am I looking forward to that? Yeah, yes and no. Well, that's the thing. I'm glad you mentioned F3 because the F2 goes to street circuits conventionally. Right, or has has a few, you know, you've Saudi Arabia, you've got Baku, Monaco, obviously. And yes, F3 is going to Monaco this year. But a lot of these F3 drivers, Albert Park will be their first taste of at least a kind of quasi street circuit. And it is narrow around there. It's There's not going to be much space. And 30 of them hurtling around there at 100 whatever miles an hour there's a high chance of chaos and it will be, you know, I'm sure some very, very entertaining racing. So if you are able to stay up uh, to the late hours, I would recommend uh, checking out the support bill. Yeah. And beyond that, we're focusing on the headliner, if you will, for F1. I mean, we've covered some of it. It's a, it's a big weekend for McLaren, uh, but 
I'm, I think this is it. This is where we will definitively see if Aston Martin are going to be perhaps the second best team, at least for a while, uh, because it's a, another very different kind of track to the two we've had before. And if they're there or thereabouts again, then it is 100% the real deal. Yeah, and this could potentially be um, the first time in Red Bull's history that they get a third consecutive one too. Now, I really don't want to see it, but it's possible. I mean, it's highly possible, isn't it? Sam, you're looking at me like you don't believe that. I mean, that's a surprising stat, but then also Red Bull have not, not gone particularly well around Albert Park in the past. And actually, not that it is the first race of the season anymore, but have never been particularly successful in that first race of the season. So I guess I'm lumping that stat in with those, where in the kind of surprising Red Bull facts, you would have thought, especially over the Vessel Weber era, they could have strung three of them together. I guess they were maybe probably fighting too much uh, to allow that to happen. Yeah. Well, on that bombshell of uh, surprising Red Bull stats, I think we'll call it a day. Thank you for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. We'll be back this weekend with the Australian Grand Prix review, where I might belatedly rip apart the Saudi national anthem a bit, seeing as I missed the chance to do that on the Saudi review. Uh, but yes, thank you guys for joining me. And just a reminder, we have been shortlisted for the Sports Podcast Awards. So please go on and vote for us. Just Google Sports Podcast Awards, click the motorsport category and press cut to the race and tell all your friends and your family and everyone to do it. And thank you to everyone who has so far. Yes, thank you very, very much. And remember to check us out on socials at Formula Nerds or Formula underscore nerds on Twitter. Um, so yeah, we're all over Instagram, Twitter, I don't think we're on Snapchat. Is anyone on Snapchat anymore? Um, TikTok. We're on the TikTok, Sam. On the tic- we're on the TikTok. We're on the Facebook too, um, <laughs> as my mother would call it. Uh, but yeah, so check us out there. And also, of course, the Formula Nerds website for all your Formula 1 and F2 and F3 and soon F1 Academy and also uh, Formula E news. Well, that that's Formula Nerds, isn't it? I think <laughs> that's everything we do. That's <laughs> and everywhere to find us. Uh but yes, for now then, I won't ask Ollie to do any poetry. Uh, oh. I'll just leave it. <laughs> he's, he's a super sub. We'll, we'll let him off. Thanks. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Maybe next time. Uh, but until then, it is lights out, mics off, and away we go. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Podcast Network.